Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back. It's Monday morning. It's our first show of the week, and we got a lot of energy. We just finished with spinning back click. New start time on that, by the way, just at least for the next two months. Because we show the Dana White Contender Series weigh-ins live every Monday, uh, noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific, Obviously, that runs into this uh, move to being on live every week with Spinning Backlick. So Spinning Backlick will be live at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific for the next two months or so until basically Dana White Contender Series is over. So make a note of that. And, uh, of course, on today's show, we're going to recap the weekend. We had PFL, UFC, and we had Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, along with all the latest news going to be a fun time here for the next hour or so and we'll be back to start the show it's mma junkie radio august 7th 9 a.m in the morning all right goes i know there's a lot of crossover between our listeners, fans, friends that tune into the show. And we kind of hit it hard with Jake Paul and Nate Diaz. So why don't we close strong and we'll talk about that. Because that was big news, folks. I'm not going to lie. It was big news. But we spent about a good half hour on that first topic of unpacking everything surrounding that boxing match. The fallout, the good, the bad, the criticism, the applause, the social media reactions. So we're going to close strong with that, but we're not going to forget about it. But let's just let's go in in order of what took place this past weekend. We had PFL. We had the featherweights and the light heavyweights in action. And this is now the playoffs where basically we have our final set in at least two of the divisions. And that's what's going to happen here for the next few weeks as PFL does their three weeks, three week run of uh, playoffs. So basically it was. Uh, Friday in San Antonio, and then the next two are actually in New York, Friday, August 18th, and Wednesday, August 23rd, but in terms of what happened this past Friday in San Antonio, here are some results, and then we'll get go to his reaction. Jesus Pinedo defeated Bubba Jenkins. He advances to the finals. How does he make 145 pounds? I don't know. He's a giant in there. Gabriel uh, Raga defeated Chris Wade. In the other semifinal, split decision there. Sorry, I should have mentioned Pinedo finished Jenkins. Uh, Raga needed two judges to tell him he was advancing. Chris Wade had the support of one judge, so he lost the split there. Braga versus Pinedo is your finals. Any thoughts on those featherweight matchups? I was kind of gutted for Jenkins and for Wade because this was the year that things kind of opened up for them, right? It just, it's never really worked out for either guy. And um, in Jenkins, I really thought he hit a stride, like a different level, different gear this year. Uh, but you know what? 
I can't even say like, hey, lucky shot or any or bad performance. This kid's just good. He really is. Uh, he just outworked Bubba Jenkins. And so you got Bubba out of this now. And then you look over at poor Chris Wade. Like this could have been his opportunity, right? Like he's come so close before. And I'm, I I love Chris Wade, but I got to disagree with him a little bit. He was saying, you know, judges get it wrong. They don't know what they're looking at. I thought it was a close fight, but I remember at the end kind of having that feeling like, I don't think Chris did enough. Mm-hmm. And um, I can say it was close, but I can't say the judges should have gone either way, like emphatically. Uh, but it made for an entertaining night. It did. Those upsets were huge, man. Um, not only are they kind of OGs in PFL, you know, the featherweight division, they've been putting in the punching in the clock there, right? Um, but co- with Mobile Cavalaya out of the way, you're right. This really gave an opportunity for one of these two to get in there. Both have been finalists and both have come up short. Um, but guess what? The division just got freshened up. But I'm telling you, this Pineda guy, man, he is he's really interesting. He's very accurate with his strikes. I mean, Bubba's got a chin, and holy cow, mm-hmm. it took a lot to get him out of there. But Pineda got the job done. But it all starts with preventing Bubba from taking you down, and he did. He did, and then he made him pay. Then he even kind of talked a little bit of smack. I mean, he was just ticking boxes throughout. Of course, he's from Peru, so we took that box from you know, from the very beginning. But, hey, I love me some Bubba Jenkins as well. He's a Vegas guy. He's funny. He entertains. He makes me tune in. Just didn't work out for him or Chris Wade. Now, Chris Wade got there because Mulvlid couldn't continue. So I would still keep an eye to see which of these two I would think maybe Wade because he didn't get KO'd or, you know, he he didn't get finished. Might be the first option. I don't know. Maybe I'm just guessing here but i you know i how are how are these two guys not going to make it to the dance when it's a million dollars i think you even if they have to stretch you in right you get in there stand there and go for it you know i think it's so important to promote yourself and i think both guys do bubba jenkins and chris wade do such a good job of that but i will tell you one thing and i had mentioned this to laura when we were watching the fights ever since we did an interview with chris wade and he talked about I think we asked him, what are you going to do with the million dollars? And he goes, I want to buy a boat. And uh, damn it, man. I just want him to get that damn boat. Like every time he, I'm, I'm almost not gutted for the loss as much as I am. It's like, fuck, he doesn't get that boat. It just seemed like something he really, really wanted for him and his family. And um, and then you see Bubba Jenkins and what he's been through in his life and, and all of the inf- positive influences that he tries to put on his community and, and just all around a nice guy, man. He says the right things. You could, you could tell he's just not complacent. You know, he's always trying to get better. I wanted to see him be happy too. And just, it just didn't work out for either guy. Like MMA is a cruel, cruel sport. You know, speaking of boats, Chris Wade used to tell me because we're both fans of Below Deck, the show on Bravo, mm-hmm. that he even wanted to, um, maybe be a guest and treat his family and friends to that. I thought he even hinted he would take us too if he came up short on friends. Um, so yeah, I, 
that was that was one reason to vote to root for him. But I also thought the same thing. I bet Wade. But when it finally goes to the judges, the one thing that won't ever fail you is that gut feeling of what you think the judges are going to say. I can tell you all day and come up with reasons all day for why this guy or this gal should have got the nod or what they did or the numbers to support. But your gut just tells you, basically, your gut just kind of goes, hey, you're fucked. You lost. It's an L. Pay the bookie. Get ready, you know? And then there's times where you feel pretty good about it, and still the judges let you down. And then every once in a while, you get the opposite, where you're like, oh, man, ain't no way. I'm going to need a miracle, and boom, the miracle hits. But somehow, just those don't get, uh, those don't happen in the, as often. They're almost like jokers in the deck. There's 52 cards in the deck, and a couple of the jokers, if you haven't taken them out. Yeah, that's how often they come up, is like when that joker comes up. But let's move on to the light heavyweights. Josh Silvera finished. Ty Flores, some beautiful clinch work there with some knees in round one. And Impa Kasinganai defeated Martin Hamlet. He got a TKO stoppage as well. First round. Those are your finalists in the light heavyweight division. Your thoughts there, goes. Yeah, I mean, so the thing is, overall with the PFL, and this has happened kind of year after year, but not to this extreme, I think. You'll get these matches that you just don't expect these outcomes. And it's interesting at the moment. And I wonder if it doesn't hurt them, though, going forward. Because going forward, when there are less names that you recognize at the top, I don't know if, like, weeks from now, a month from now, we're all going to be like, ah. Or if, or if we should be celebrating some of these guys that are advancing. You know, like, I've had weird feelings. Like, Rob Wilkinson last year blew me away, right? I was like, oh, my God, dude, this guy's gotten really, really better. And he's got a great personality. And then, you know, he has his issues. A lot of fighters on the PFL roster had their issues. Um, but I just hope that they can kind of get these fighters that all advance this week could carry that momentum and keep something going for us. Because sometimes when the bigger names lose, it's a good thing for the PFL because it just proves that, hey, the roster's tough. Everybody's tough. But at the same time, it kind of hurts because we forget these things. And so when a couple a month rolls around and the names reappear, you have to make sure that they all grasp you. They, they get a hold of you and make you want to see them again. And I'm hoping I'm going to get the feeling out of these guys. Well, Silvera's story is nice because he came through contenders last year, our challenger series, mm-hmm. and then did the season, took his first loss. We talked to him about it. He has history. Um, yeah. I really like that. Kasen Ganai, I guess. I don't know if he was like, a coveted free agent signing, but technically he became a free agent when the UFC and him parted ways and the PFL signed him because I think they probably saw someone that's exciting, win or lose, right? Um, you know, so I, I like a mixture of both, you know, so it hasn't paid off for PFL uh, in regards to the coveted free agent signings. Those have come up a little bit short, but um, here we are. All right, so goes. let's move on to... UFC Nashville, Corey Sand. Let's get out of the way. Corey Sanding and defeated Rob Font via decision. But yeah, it was dominant. I, I'll emphasize that word. It was dominant, but it was a little boring. Your thoughts? So live, I didn't have to put up with it very much, but um, because I was watching, so I was going back and forth between two two shows. I was watching the Jake Paul Nate Diaz undercard was actually pretty interesting. You know, you have your 
your Jeremy Stevens, uh, Amanda Serrano was on the undercarders too. Chris, Chris Avila fought Jeremy Stevens, if you don't know. And um, Heather Hardy fought Amanda Serrano, which is a rematch. But uh, holy crap, did they just let it all go? And so I wasn't able to go back and watch Corey Sanhagen. I mean, I did go back later, but I didn't watch it live. So I was watching a lot of what was going on in social media and what a lot of people were saying. And boy, were people pissed off at their performance of just how boring of a fight it was. And I just kept reading things and thinking, man, it couldn't have been that bad. So I went back and I watched it and holy crap. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it. On Corey's side, this is my thing, man. If you have a problem with that, I've always said your problem is not with Corey Sanhagen. Your problem is with MMA. You're, you're just going to get that from time to time. It sucks that it's in the main event. It sucks that it went down that way. You know, Luckily, there's a little bit of a story to it with an injury Corey Sanhagen sustained in the fight. But uh, it just sucks when it's the last fight. And luckily, the, the fight card overall was pretty good. But when, you're, when your main event kind of ends that way, it, it takes the steam out of your event. It gets talked about less. And right. Rob Font was just, you know, I, I got to give Corey props in his wrestling, his timing more than anything. Like Rob knew this is going to happen over and over. Like you could just tell. But uh, Corey's timing was just so good on it. And at the same time, if you're Rob Font, like you can't just sit there and defend. Like you do have to mount some kind of offense. And every time you would try and mount an offense, Corey would just time a perfect takedown and get him down and keep him down. So sucks that the main event ended that way, but it looked like overall the fans enjoyed the night. They did. Co-main event with Tatiana Suarez. She finished the tough fighter, former champ, and Jessica Andrade. That was great. There's some other great results, too, that I'll get to in just a sec. But as far as Sanhagen's concerned, look, when you look at the guy's resume, he's a pretty exciting fighter. For one, he wouldn't be headlining if he wasn't. And... You know, he's already posted on social media that he's going to go under surgery because he did tear a tricep. So, like, do you want to be slinging against Rob Font when there does seem to be a safer route to take home two checks, stay in the title hunt, and not, you know, have to risk even further injury or maybe that tricep coming up short? You saw what happened with. Dustin Poirier, he got one hand up to block that kick. He didn't get two hands up. Maybe that cost him there. Corey Sanhagen saw an opening where he could take it and, and do something with it. Was it boring? Yes. Did you have every right to boo? Yes. Um, I don't blame you for that. You know, In fact, Rob Font deserves some criticism, too, because he had no answers for it. So, you know, what can you do, right? Um but, yeah, I mean, let it all out, fans. If that's how you felt about it, let it all out. And fighters need to understand, too, you can't just say, well, I had an injury, two checks. Fans don't care about that. They went there to see, you know, a good tussle, right? And mm -hmm. they just an exciting tussle. They didn't get one. Doesn't mean you weren't dominant or you didn't do what you needed to do. And that's for fighters that just think need to have a little bit thicker skin. I wish Dana White, I don't know if this happened or not, so I got to say, allegedly, walked out on the main event. You know, I think he would need to suck that suck that up too. Um, he has probably the coolest job on the planet. To, to, you know, uh, and he makes a lot of money. So back your fighters. 
agree with the media, agree with the fans, say what you got to say. It's not like he's ever at a loss for words. But yeah, walking out kind of does um, tarnish, I guess, the guy, you know, mostly Sanhagen because he's the winner. And that's really not what you're trying to do, I think, as a promoter. You know, if anything, you just say, hey, the guy was dominant. He got the win. What do you want? <laughs> Sometimes these things happen. Did I not build you a card where we had some exciting fight? You know, and, and do do Dana. Do what Dana did. And what was that card? It was exciting, man. Tatiana Suarez defeated Jessica Andrade. Dustin Jacoby finished Kennedy and Chuckle. A tad early stoppage, but still, first-round stoppage. Diego Lopez finished Gavin Tucker. Rhea submission. First round. He got down. Tanner Bowser defeated Alexa Kamor. Lud Ludwig Klein defeated Ignacio Bahamundes. It was a decision, but it was actually a pretty exciting fight. Then we had Kyler Phillips and Roni Barcelos on the prelims. That was a decision, but an exciting fight. Carlston Harris defeated Jeremiah Wells. Holy cow, what a comeback because Wells was thumping Harris. I mean, mm. he was thumping Harris the way Sanhagen was thumping Font, except not just being dominant, he was damaging the fuck out of him. And then Harris lands a uh, an anaconda choke in round three. Absolutely obliterated my parlays. Uh, I was on Team Wells on that one. Billy Q, man, him and Damon Jackson had a good fight. Went to a decision, but it was exciting. Cody Durden versus Jake Hadley. Went to a decision, but it was exciting. Sean Woodson versus Dennis Bazooka. Went to a decision, but it was exciting. Uh, and then you had... Uh, Almavayev defeated Oday Osborne. That one kind of sucked. We like Oday. Second round submission there. Bonuses. They went to no fight of the nights. Instead, they said Suarez, Jacoby, Lopez, Harris, and Almavayev come scoop up 50 Gs. What does that mean? It means that everyone who got a finish scooped up 50 Gs. Um, you know, boy, that Harris guy goes, I can't say this enough. He was this close to going home with one check. Because Wells was stumping him. He takes home his show, win, and 50 Gs. How about that? But they did go an extra bonus on this card. Um, all finishers. I thought um, Billy Q, Jackson, Durden, and uh, Hadley, I thought those were like back-to-back -back fight of the nights. They were awesome fights. I know. Really, really good. I, I hope they get taken care of. Um, but those fights, I think, made the card. And uh, it's, I don't know, the Billy Q decision, I, again, I had a feeling when they were reading the cards that it wasn't going to go uh, Billy Q's way. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a very, very close fight. And, you know, hats off to him for getting that, that win. You know, everything they were saying in the commentary was so true. You know, this dude just for some reason gets better as fights go on. But yeah. the work, the the body work was so impressive on that, and then early on in that fight, Damon Jackson was so impressive at just being able to control and get out of situations, and his striking looked really good. It, it it sucked that there had to be a loser in both of those fights, right? And that's why I hope that they did have fifty Gs for, uh, or well, of course I want fifty Gs, but I hope they do get taken care of. And I hate saying that because they should get taken care of. That was a proper fight of the night. Um, for one, starting off with Durden and Hadley, Quarantillo and Jackson, Woodson and Bazooka. I mean, they really laid it all out. Like, they went home. Goes. What I'm trying to say is they walked to the locker room. Remember that 
we always reference reference this in 1983 when the Chargers played the Dolphins in one of the greatest playoff games of all time. It went to like either overtime or double overtime. And one of the best players on the field was Kellen Winslow, a tight end for the Chargers. And they actually had to like, we always say, I got Kellen Winslow back to the room, meaning you're so drunk in Vegas. Your friends are kind of carrying you to the room. That's when, when a fighter gives me something like that, win or lose, I want to give them more money. If I'm Dana White or if I'm a promoter, you know, that's why I think the fight of the night is always nice. I love finishers, especially the ones that go for it. But, uh, man, I really hope that these guys do get some money because they laid it all out. They gave you everything. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they de- definitely deserve something. Yeah. And then, of course, that same night, like Go said, was Jake Paul versus uh, Nate Diaz in boxing. First of all, Jeremy Stevens and Chris Avila, they fought on the undercard. They, there was six fights on the undercard, I believe. But the ones of note were Stevens versus Avila. Avila won that. Uh, Heather Hardy versus Amanda Serrano. Serrano won that. And then we get to the main event. So it goes, boxing's unique. You know, I, I'm never going to try and make it MMA or MMA boxing. There's a few things that I think they could kind of do that the other one doesn't do. Like, sometimes I really hate those weigh-ins when there's, like, about 100 people on stage. And then sometimes I absolutely love it. Um, It's just boxing. There's no other way to explain it, but that's just how they do it in boxing. They got those Modelo girls or top rank girls or whatever we want to call them. They're trying to stand in the right area. Then you usually got a, a few former fighters. And then you got bodyguards and tough guys. And everyone's got shades on, even if they're indoors and and then either a Jimmy Lennon Jr. or whoever, obviously Ray Flores, someone doing the master ceremonies. It's really, really unique, and so is their walkouts. Sometimes they'll have hip-hop artists. Terrence Crawford walked out with Eminem the other day. You know what I mean? There was some rapper or some hip-hop artist that walked out with Nate Diaz. It's just, it's, it's actually, I've, I've learned to re-engage with it. Um, and so it's just, what can I say about boxing? It is a show, man. It is mm-hmm. a show. What what are they wearing for their shorts? Who are their sponsors? Who's walking out with who? How packed is that boxing ring? And then they clear it and they get down, you know? Um, in the end goes, I was glued. I was glued. And then these guys came out and Jake Paul really put it on Nate Diaz early on. And Nate Diaz survived it, came back. You know, did I can't even say he really got on track, but at least he survived. And then in round five, he got hit. He got swiped on the side of the temple, went straight down. And so I thought, oh, man, now Jake Paul's going to take it to him. And guess what? He didn't. Nate Diaz kept coming back, kept coming back. He Then in the second fight, part of the fight, he just had, like, early on in the rounds where he'd kind of come out and start slow. But the last third minute and a half of every round was really, really exciting because Diaz would just turn it up on Paul and Paul would survive. That's why I thought maybe Diaz was winning more rounds than what the judges thought. But in the end, I was actually satisfied. I'm glad they went 10 rounds. Remember, it was supposed to be eight. They went 10. Um, I applaud both guys. I have sat at the Mandalay Bay and MGM and watched great, great boxing from fighters that I just don't know who they are. And if I don't know who you are, you might have the cleanest Nicest techniques, speed, delivery, accuracy, this, that, whatever, footwork. 
But if I don't know who you are, I don't care. And I know who these two guys are. I cared, goes. I loved it. Yeah, there's not much. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Uh, I, fun is just the, the best word I could think of. It was just a lot of fun. The undercard, I thought they did a good job of just involving a couple names. Uh, I love that they did an MMA versus MMA in boxing. And then I love that they did a boxing versus boxing in with Amanda Serrano and Heather Hardy. They kept me entertained. Though That was a, a nice little lead-in to the, the big fight. I wish there was just more antics, maybe, uh, leading up to the fight, leading up to fight what night. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Paul fight and, week? Yeah, fight week. I wish there was a little bit more something, you know? They had a fight at the press conference, and then the final weigh-in that they had, they kind of... You know, I think Diaz threw a kick. They mm -hmm. kind of messed around a little bit. Now, they didn't have a fight breakout, but you wanted more than that? Yeah, I kind of limped into this this uh, event, to be honest, mm -hmm. not compared to other ones where I, I've been like, all right, let's see what's going to happen here. Uh, but I was, I was pleasantly surprised. I thought the fight itself, you can't really look at it like boxing. You know, if we do that, we're going to sit there and we're going to critique everything. Uh, I think it's fair a little bit in regards to Jake Paul because that's what Jake Paul aspires to. That's where Jake Paul took his first loss was from a professional boxer. Now, granted, when we say professional boxer, Tommy Fury had, I think, six fights or something like that. It's not like he'd been doing it for that long, but he comes from but, a boxing lineage. But a lot of amateur and Golden Gloves fights, I'm sure, before you get to that True. level. Yeah. Um, so if you want to look at it that way for Jake Paul, I understand. Those critiques for me, would be, I think he could pump more of a jab, uh, and I think he could throw a little bit more straighter punches. He's consumed with throwing hooks, and those things, I think, need to change. On Nate Diaz's side, I thought Nate maybe could have gone to the body a little bit more a little earlier in the fight because it did look like, props to Jake Paul, I think he fixed his cardio issue, but he was still getting tired, and I think Nate could have played that down a little bit more had he gone to the body more. The, that was the frustrating thing of the night for me was I felt like Nate Diaz, uh, maybe had he given a little bit more of an effort, could have made this fight a lot closer. And that kind of maybe does leave me intrigued to see what happens if they were to fight again. So, yeah, like Jake Paul's brilliant, man. Him and his team, they are brilliant because they know how to suck you in. Have you seen the documentary, George, on Netflix? About what the Pauls? Um, yeah, I guess technically it's about both of them. No, what's it, what's it called? Or I don't remember the exact what it's called, but it's really really good. I would I would suggest. I think anybody that saw that when it came out, because they timed it well for this here, um, you would have absolutely ordered the pay per view after that. Like it was hmm. really really interesting. And I think you'll you'll have more respect for Jake Paul once you watch it. You'll understand him a little bit more. On our other show, the, uh, the Triple G show, where we were constantly for months going, "Who is Jake Paul again? What is he all about?" Like this kind of answers it. And um, it really they they just know how to promote things. And so I was excited during the fight. I thought it was a fun fight. It was interesting. And then um, you know who knows what they do moving forward. Like. He says he wants to maybe revisit that fight with Fury, and I get that. I just think it's the wrong move right now because uh, 
He faced another boxer and he lost. And I think he needs to improve his boxing before he goes back to being that guy. I think who he needs to be right now is the guy that beats MMA guys, you know? And I think either a rematch with Diaz. I know he says he wants to go to MMA. I think that's stupid. Uh, but you got to respect him for it because we all thought it was stupid when he said he wanted a box. And look at him now, right? But this is a little different. And the thing is with Nate Diaz, like, hold on, man. You know, he's only going to get older. He's only going to get lazier. Uh, wait a while before you even tackle something like that. But I was impressed, dude. I had a good time watching that thing. Me too. And I think for Jake Paul, really what he should be saying is, I want to do more fun fights. Stop talking to us like you're a boxer, which you are. You have a great team around you. And apparently, from what I hear, you put in the work. You are a boxer, okay? But are you a high-level boxer? Don't fucking ever say Canelo's name again. That's ridiculous, Jake Paul, for one. But as far as everything else, I would love to see him fight Tommy Fury again. You're right, Goes. He did... With Tommy Fury, he only had like one or two punches, and that was it. And Tommy Fury exposed that. Now, I looked it up just to make sure because I hate talking out of my ass. Tommy Fury had 12 amateur fights. Usually, these guys have like 200, right? Now, I don't know if he had more of the other types, maybe growing up, smokers or who knows what. But he, he didn't have as extensive um, of a boxing career as I thought he did. And But it certainly is obviously, you know, it looks like he's obviously been working at it longer than Jake Paul because he's been boxing since he was 12. So he's put in those kind of unofficial rounds in. I would love to see Jake Paul. I, I just think he's honestly goes. I don't I don't know if he's got these types of resources, but he I could see him just moving on to something else eventually. He's got talent and he's got a backing, he's got a following, right? And so if you want to finish what you started, okay. Tommy Fury. That sounds like fun to me. Do the rematch. If you win, we got to do the trilogy. That's fine. I'm sure Tommy Fury's happy that Jake Paul, Jake Paul found him because Jake Paul made him a lot of money. If you want to rematch Nate Diaz or take on Nick Diaz, I don't know. Sure. But I'd only like to see maybe one or two more boxing matches out of Jake Paul goes, and that's it. Because honestly, come on, man. You, you know what Canelo does to this guy. Probably, he probably murders him. You know what I mean? Now, do I even want to see Jake Paul in MMA? I guess it's if it's because I want to do stuff that no one else has done, and that's return favors. You know, this guy came to my sport. I'm going to go to his. Then, hey, salute. Can you make it happen? Who knows? I know PFL is open to doing stuff, and if they have to cope remote, great. To me, it sounds like Nate Diaz doesn't want to turn his back on the UFC. If he does go to MMA, he wants to do it in the UFC. But I think one way he can get around it is not signing with PFL just co-promoting with PFL, sticking to Jake Paul only, not being cute and fighting other, you know, like Addy Alvarez's or other free agents. No. And if he wants that door to be open to the UFC, then that's one way to keep it going. Let's not forget Nate Diaz, I think is 38. What how old is he? I think he's 38 now. I'm going to look it up as I talk. And one fight that does await him, aside from McGregor, which, by the way, I'm slowly losing interest in, but one I lost that, interest in that a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, really, like, it, it made more sense when they were both studs and top lightweights. They're just not anymore. Now, are they guys where I want to see one guy eat crow and not the other? Yeah. And I actually like both guys. So 
I don't know. It just comes down to who acts like less of an asshole on fight week. But anyway, oh, can I say something real quick on that? Yes, that I'd love to see, and that's the one versus Dustin Poirier. But again, a well-trained Nate Diaz. I got a Nate Diaz rant in me, but I know you want to chime in, so go ahead and chime in. I just want to say to that point where you said, I just want to see one of the two eat crow. That's how I felt for a very long time. But with Nate Diaz, the Diaz brothers are way too comfortable with taking losses now. It I wasn't know. like that before. Now they, they make it look like they just don't give a shit anymore. And that takes away from the, the mystique of who they are. The allure of the Diaz brothers. Yeah. You know, you're not gangster when you're when you're okay just taking losses. And even like you would never ever hear Diaz brother going into a fight say, even if I lose, I, I'm still the winner. Like they would never even say that. You know, no matter what you thought, skill versus skill, they would always make you believe they're gonna win the fight. Right? They would never even utter the possibility of losing a fight. So now I don't that makes me care less about the Conor McGregor fight because losing just doesn't seem to matter to them. With Conor McGregor, despite what's going on in his life and the losses he's taken, you could tell it still bugs the shit out of him. And right. that's that's what makes it interesting on that side. But but the Diaz brothers are just far too comfortable making money and taking losses. And they always say it at the end, they hint that they could have trained a little harder or they could have taken a little bit more serious, but oh well, I still know I'm the best, and yes, and this and that. And then they start basically kind of pulling on them strings because they know they got so many fans that are like, fuck yeah, Nick or Nate or whoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I love it when he chokes someone out in in, in uh in New Orleans. Like I'm, I'm obviously I'm not the condoner of it, but I've never shied away from being a fan of watching these street fights. I love that swag. You know, these, I mean, should he be doing it? Probably not. Cause he's a dad now and he's almost 40 and whatever, but, um, somehow he finds himself in these things and I, I kind of get a kick out of it. But man, when it comes to your proper fights, all right, not the ones on the street or at arenas or nothing like that. Boy, man, he, they just, like you said, they're too comfortable losing. Even Nick, they brought Nick on to talk, and Nick Nick hinted at Nate could have done a little bit more, you know. And it's like, bro, it was right there. If you beat Jake Paul in boxing, the next time you fight, you're the, clearly the A side. You make more money, right? And maybe you make even more money when you return to UFC or what? Now, what I was gonna say was, I am open to him versus Poirier if he's not gonna fight uh, McGregor which McGregor's not in USADA. I do want to say this about McGregor. I call him a swagger jacker on fight night, right? Or a clout stealer or whatever. He had good points in terms of what he said originally to Nate. And he's like, dude, if you'd stop clowning around, you could actually win some of these fights. That's McGregor, the athlete, the fighter, talking to the other fighter as if to say, what's wrong with you? Why do you point? Why do you walk away? Like, finish the fucking guy. You just heard him. Finish him and then do a lot more pointing and walking away. He went a little overboard when he said you could have been the welterweight champ. No, because uh, Leon wasn't champ then. So mm -hmm. what would have happened was, let's say he did win. And let's say the UFC thought, oh, shit, well, now he's next for Kamara, which I don't think they do, right? Because you still got to build a, a resume a little bit. But let's yeah. just say he did. Come on, man. I find it hard that he would have been able to beat 
Uzon. I, I can't predict the future. I'm just telling you what I think, right? But I see how McGregor connects the dots. You almost beat the guy that currently holds the belt. True. You kind of handshaked Paul Hurt and you took your foot off the gas. True. That is valid from McGregor, even though, again, he's always kind of, you know, most of the time he's out there to steal a little shine and say, I'm this, I'm the real BMF, I'm coming back. Well, you, we're, we're waiting. We're waiting. You know, do it already. Um, but, yeah, that part is a little bit frustrating. So I go from the edge of my seat to being interested eating popcorn, hanging in there, and then at the end, they start opening their mouths, and you're like, oh, my God. I know. Let me ask you this, all right? Let me, I'm, I'm going to try and put this into terms that people can understand. I'm going to list off some names, all right? I'm going to do some lightweights and some welterweights because Nate has fought both. Charles Oliveira, Islam Makashev, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gagey, Benil Darius, Grant Dawson, Rafael Fiziev, RDA, Michael Chandler. George, do you have Nate Diaz as the favorite in any of those fights? Okay. If Nate Diaz, so that's on 155 pounds, only if Nate Diaz comes and looks like he did against Michael Johnson. That was the most in-shape Nate Diaz. That was years ago, though, right? I know. I know. That's when he said, Conor McGregor, you stole everything from me. So I think it was like 2015. I think it was December in Orlando they fought. Then Mag- mm-hmm. And let's not forget, here's another thing. So McGregor beats Aldo, is supposed to fight RDA. RDA hurts his leg. So they tell Nate Diaz, you fight on 10 days notice. Nate Diaz was with Gilbert Melendez in Calvo San Lucas hanging on, hanging out on a boat. I don't know if it was a yacht, a boat, or just chilling in Cabo San Lucas. They call him. He says, all right, I'll do it. He comes out, and he weathers a storm and and then chokes Conor McGregor out. If he doesn't do that, I'm not sure if he becomes this big name that he's become today. So here's another thing. This could almost bleed into some of my frustrations with the UFC and how somehow those guys always think they walk on water and always get it right. They don't. You didn't know that Nate Diaz was right there and was a huge star. Remember, you thought Nick moved the needle, but not Nate. When in reality, Nate moves the needle just as much as his brother in his last few years, even more than his brothers. So the UFC goofed there. The UFC goofed on Mazadal. Goes and I used to tell people about these guys a long time ago. Well, whatever. That's a whole different other topic. But, you know, that's Nate without proper time to train. If he doesn't lose that split decision to Conor McGregor when they planned that fight out, they went, I think they fought in February and then they fought later on in August. That's a split decision. I think the split decision that he lost. Dude, imagine if he had won that one against McGregor, McGregor would be 0-2 against Nate. Nate might even be a bigger star. Who knows? All that money that comes with it. I'm telling you, they've left so much money at the table because their fighter IQ just dies out at times on them. Yeah, that can be frustrating. Um, but, I mean, like, going back to the original point, I don't care if he goes back to UFC and fights Dustin Poirier. Because to me, he just doesn't have a chance at winning that fight. I look at it and I go, no, Dustin oh. should win that. It's not competitive for me. If you, you go to the welterweight rankings, you look at Kamaru Usman, Bilal Muhammad, Colby Covington, uh, Hamzat Shemaev, Gilbert Burns. Like, he's not going to win these fights. I honestly don't give a shit if he goes back to the UFC. I think I'd rather him do this shit. 
Yeah, you did ask, could he win? Uh, only an in-shape Nate Diaz would I give him a chance against the strikers. Um, look, Russ, uh, Chandler and Gaethje don't really wrestle much. Um, uh, Habib obviously would destroy uh, Nate Diaz. The other guys, they would just sit there and sling him. But yeah, Nate, his last fight against Tony Ferguson, he didn't really impress me too much. Um, and then the top it off, he doesn't even come in shape. So yeah, it probably wouldn't be a good day for him, and honestly. The, the thing is, all he needs is one win. Just one win, and it would get everybody excited again because it reminds you that anytime any play, like when he when he stumbled Leon Edwards, right? That kind of helped a little bit because he thought, oh man, if there was just a little bit more time, maybe he could have got it done. He needs something like that, I think, for us to get interested in him coming back because he's only getting older. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It just it doesn't excite me the way it used to. And and why they fight so infrequently, too. Um, there's a way where I think you can still accomplish what you want, and that's to not be in the fucking gym every day and going through weight cuts. I get it. When you make a lot of money, the silk pajamas, the silk sheets, yeah, I heard it. I've heard it millions of times, and I get it. I really do. But I also think that what a fighter can do is go on a run. What does that mean? Fight three times in a year and then take your year off or whatever and let the the sport or sports kind of, you know, play out and see where maybe there's some new openings or some new possibilities or whatever. But literally for the last few years, the Diaz brothers who used to, they, these guys would get down for, for like three or 5,000 at WEC when they were younger. As they got older, they f fell out of love with fighting, and um, the money's better, but, boy, getting your butt kicked, that can't be much fun. You know, when you choose to do this career, you and and for to be fair, most sports, you kind of do it up until a certain point, and then once you're about 35, 40, maybe early 40s, that's it. You honestly have the rest of your life to spend with your family and do things. I kind of get a little pissed off when I hear about I miss weddings and birthdays. I got to be selfish. I got to be this. Like D Dustin said it the other day, he goes, he said that. And I thought, well, you didn't, you fought Chandler in November. So from November up until whenever it is that you and J Justin Gagey were official, probably what? We'll call it May 1. You kind of had a lot of time, you know, to do a lot of stuff. As long as you got up in the morning before the rest of the family and still did your runs and not get your, your weight too out of hand, you do have this time for your family and making eggs for your kids or taking them to school or not missing your sister's way. I mean, I don't know. You could tell your sister, hey, uh, of course I want to be there, but I'm more than likely going to fight here, but I'm not fighting in the next three months. You know, whatever. I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I think the fighters just, say that and in reality it's like it just goes back to you're not doing what the legends of the sport do and that's give it their all and then once they're done fighting if you can handle it you know unless you can handle it then do what you got to do but if you really want to be one of the all-time greats you gotta you gotta train hard is, is all i can say exactly you gotta train hard a lot of fighters they don't always train hard. Habib strikes me as someone that always train hard. GSP always train hard. Um, yeah.
Even John Jones. I think John Jones said one time he didn't against uh, Gustafson, and then after that, every single time he's trained hard. But why they take these long lulls is beyond me. What What do you want for next next for Nate Diaz? Since you are a little confused, what what's his next fight that you want? I am completely uninterested in him coming back to, to MMA, and I, I I don't care about Jake Paul and Nate Diaz fighting in MMA. I actually, if I had to pick something, and even if I was advising him, I'd probably tell him, get this rematch with Jake Paul. In boxing. Yeah, do that. Mm. Nick Diaz, you care? I like Nick Diaz, man. I've always had a soft spot for that guy. Um, Nick Diaz against Logan Paul on the same card? I think they could pull it off, and I think that would be brilliant. Yeah. But I don't think... Uh, hmm. I don't. Eh. I'd love to see them make money. Is what I want to see them do, and yeah. I think that would get them paid. But you know what I'd like to see goes is I'm just throwing numbers out there, but I would like to see Jake Paul and Nate Diaz make, we'll say five million. I don't know, guaranteed. But then a bonus goes to the winner, just to incentivize them to train hard. So you're still going to get paid well, even if you lose. But something that incentivizes them to just go out there and give it their best. Because this is this is kind of it for both Diaz brothers. I don't see big fights left for them. Probably not in the UFC at all. The only reason I would want to see Nate Diaz in the UFC is either against Poye or McGregor. McGregor's not even in USADA. Poye's not going to be around much longer. Um, but that's it. In, in MMA against Jake Paul, sure. But I'm not going to take it serious. But would I watch it? Yeah, only because I want... The boxer to lose, but frankly, I don't really get too put off by Jake Paul and his brother. Um, and frankly, I don't hate boxing. You know, it's just I'm Team MMA, so I like to see MMA guys win. And I and I love bragging about the fact that our athletes are honestly the baddest motherfuckers on the planet. Because if a fight broke out in the streets, I'm sorry, but we know Nganu beats up Fury, but Nganu's got to box Fury. You know, that's where the money's at. We got to just put up with that somehow. Yeah. Uh, McGregor. <sighs> okay. I, like I say, I agreed with some of his points on Nate Diaz. Why he has these meltdowns, though, and says the controversial things that he says, I don't know. I wish he wouldn't. Like I say, he's, I think he's going to be a father of four soon. Mm-hmm. So successful. An A-lister. But yet, what what are your thoughts in terms of like, I'm going to throw out some names and then tell me if you don't feel like the first thing that pops in your, in your uh, head is, man, that's a goddamn shame. Kind of like Dwight Gooden. Great pitcher, but just what he did to himself, it was a shame. Charlie Sheen, you know, he had such a early career. He was a, a brat packer, and then eventually he landed, I think, the top series in all of um, television, but he just had his demons. I mean, I feel like that was another, another shame, you know. Daryl Strawberry, yeah, I mean uh, – I don't know. I feel like McGregor could have everything he had and still have been gone down as kind of a sports legend. And it's sad because 
I really am so happy for how Lionel Messi is just going from one to one thing to the next and not embarrassing himself or his family. Mm-hmm. Um, the respect that others have for I mean, dude, Serena Williams goes and LeBron James are at your game. You know what I mean? That's two all-time greats in their sport. Kim Kardashian lives in L.A. Has like four kids. She's in Miami at these games. Like, like there's just this appreciation and this love for Lionel Messi, you know. And but I don't know. I I, I think McGregor's lost some of that. I think so. I, I can't remember which fighter said it. It might have been Charles Oliveira. He kind of just said like. Bro, does anybody even care what you have to say anymore? Or something like that. Like when fighters start to take that stance, it's not good. Like you need to go, you need to fight. That's what you're known for. That's what you're loved for. He needs to fight. And if he doesn't fight, then yeah, he's gonna you're gonna run out of time where you can lean back on a resume and say, But I did this, but I did that. Well, yeah, but you haven't done it in a long time. And you haven't done it in a long time, then why do we have to pay attention to you right like uh especially how vocal he is it's just literally every topic that comes up he wants to chime in and you can do that when you're fighting and you're winning but when you're not you gotta calm down dude and he just doesn't he doesn't have an off switch is the problem he needs to have some sort of off switch and he needs to get in there and fight soon otherwise it's just all talk I can appreciate this about Israel Adesanya. There's times where sometimes he just seems to go unhinged and starts to have a meltdown or whatever, but I like that he catches himself. You know, he'll come back with an apology or just change his ways or say something different or have a regret. I I really can appreciate that. Um, I love the love and admiration that a Sugar A. Leonard gets, a GSP gets, a Habib uh, Nurmagomedov gets. You know, um, and but somehow in combat sports, sometimes we just some of these guys we lose them, you know. Um, mm-hmm. they have to go through a lot before they can get that love back. Like how Mike Tyson got out of his jam is incredible to me, but he did it, you know, he did it, and now everyone loves the guy, yeah. But you know, he was actually behind bars for three years. Mm-hmm. Kobe was in a pickle too. Kobe was in a pickle, and and you know Shaq's pretty beloved. He really didn't hasn't been too controversial. Anyway, um, this week what do we have? We have no PFL because they're going to skip a week, and then they're going to come next week. But Bellator's got a card in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. Storley versus Ward. So Brennan Ward, um. Google Brennan Ward, Nolan King, and you'll see a great story about the three years he was away from the sport, the demons he's fought. He's back. He's a kid from the streets in Boston fighting a wrestler in Logan Storley in the main event. That's Bellator 298. Dana White's Contender Series starts out tomorrow. They actually are doing the weigh-ins here as we do the show. This should be over by now. Dana White Contender Series has produced amazing, I mean, a slew of great, great fighters. It's definitely tough, maybe even on steroids. Hell, Sean O'Malley's going to be fighting for a title um, at the end of this month. He's from season one. 
who else have we got? Grant Dawson, he's kind of on a roll. You got to give him some love as well. The Steamroller, he's definitely picking it up. He's become a name. Fluffy, Anthony Hernandez, same thing. Uh, he's become a name. Macy Barber's kind of taking things up to a higher level. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, he's, all these are from season one, and now I'm talking about season two. Myra Bueno Silva, season three. Yeah. Johnny Walker, season three. Uh, season four, Puna Soriano, he's a killer. Uh, oh, De Osborne, he just fought, he just took a loss. Kind of sad about that. Uh, Sean Woodson, though, he won Jamal Hill, he's a world champion. Billy Q, he kicked some butt as well out there in Nashville, Tennessee. Phil Rowe got a win uh, recently as well. And then in season four, Earl's Medich, Justin, Dustin Jacoby. Those guys are great fighters. Adrian Yanez, he was season four. Impa Kasanganai, he's no longer with the UFC, but he's fighting for a million dollars over there at, at uh, PFL. Cheyenne Volismus, shout out to her. She's preggers right now, but she's a solid strawweight. I think she could come back and maybe make some noise. Um, we get to season five. Let's see, that's when Chidi came and he did his thing. Jelton Almeida, that great grappler up in the high heavyweight division. Keep an eye on him. Mike Malott, the Canadian killer. I like him, too. He's a stud. Um, Armin Petrosian, he's from that season. Uh, Jake Hadley, he's from season five. Season six, last year goes. Uh, I mean, it's too early, right, because it takes a while for some of these fighters to kind of get going. So they're, they're less than a year uh, in the UFC. But I think we've made our point. This this thing is just not to be missed. I suppose Raul Rosas and Bo Nickel. You got to mention them. Yeah. It's a good roster. Yeah, definitely. Um, so all that's going on. And then one last thing, one championship. Did you see Rug Rug and Marcus Wukecha mm -hmm. uh, go at it? Man, you can tell there's not much testing going on over there at one. But, boy, <laughs> these guys were swinging. They're jacked and they're swinging um, over there at one championship. I don't know if you guys still follow it, but. You know, I like to, yeah, yeah. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think that's it. All right, so let me just do a little bit of housekeeping here and then we'll bounce spinning back click for the next few weeks, next few months, probably. I'd say the next eight to ten shows will be Monday morning, so same day, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, so one hour earlier. And then that's going to lead into the Dana White Contender Series weigh-ins, which, believe it or not, people like it. It's quick because it's only 10 fights. Or, sorry, five fights, 10 fighters. So it gets done pretty early, but it's done some good traffic for us. So that's why it's a nice one-two punch there on Monday mornings. Goes and I will be doing a watch-along on August 19th for UFC 292. Al Sterling defends his UFC Bantamweight title against Sean O'Malley. Jean Wei Lee defends her UFC Strawweight title against Amanda Lemos. So count on that. Lastly, the World MMA Awards have been out, and we have some junky love uh, that we're asking for. For one, the website is up for Best Media Source. We would love to get your vote. We haven't won this award in a while. We've won it five times, but it's been a while. We would love to win it. It represents the, um, I guess, appreciation from the fans because it's voted on by the fans for all the hard work that the whole team does. So please, all we ask is uh, if you're considering voting, vote. 
And obviously, we would love it if you vote for us. But the most important thing is to go out there and vote for someone. WorldMMAAwards.com. Our colleague, Nolan King, he's up for best journalist. I can't say enough great things about this guy. It's well-deserved, and I would love it if you guys voted for him, too. Now, look, write that down on a little sticky if you're at work or if you're at home, because I know you're not going to remember it. I forget shit thing, things, too. World MMA Awards, Junkie, Nolan King. Write that down. Or if you have the time right now, go straight there, start the process. It'll take you about, I'm not going to lie, five, ten minutes to just click everything, right? Five of the year. Best announcer, best this, best that. There's about 20 categories. And then once you're done, you're done. Let us know on social media so we can retweet it. Um, Jenny Andrade, she's up for best ring card of the girl, a uh, ring card girl of the year. And she's already voted for us. Um, so I'm kind of pushing her as well. I love them all. I love all the ring card girls. But she really loves MMA. She loves her job. She loves the UFC. So that usually makes a difference for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. just to second that, like uh, the progression of what honestly, I felt like Mike Bond should have been there as well. He was up for it last year. Uh, both guys are on our team, but they do different things. They do a lot of the same things, but they also do a lot of different things. And and what Nolan has been able to do is, is kind of focus on these big, long projects like Brennan Ward, which was so interesting. And then, uh, you know, he's got Dana Covering White's Contender King. Series. On, Covering Cain Velasquez. Yeah, Cain Velasquez, the legal side. He's just he's just upped his game, man. There's no other way to, to put it. So I, I would love it if he could win it this year. And then, I, yeah. I have a lot of respect for Ariel Hawani, right? But I feel like he's become so big that he honestly is really more like a personality now. Mm-hmm. And I think he should be grouped with Rogan and um some of the other i guess you'd call them a listers in our sport chael you know which one of them maybe visiting i don't know john anik whoever dc you know because is he doing day-to-day reporting no he still breaks news he'll still confirm or deny rumor the guy the guy's a stud i'm not saying he's not but I think this journalist award, I think, is more for that beat, you know, the the actual beat. And I think Ariel's more of an entertainer with a big show and all that. I think he should be kind of in another category. I felt for many years that John Morgan or Mike Vaughn was the best journalist in MMA on the planet. Those guys do a lot and know a lot and really punch the clock, man. Um, I wish they would kind of shake that up a little bit, honestly. Sure. I think there's a few awards because uh, when's Dana White not going to win it, right? But yet there's mm-hmm. really a lot of promoters out there that are kind of doing a lot of great things. And um, maybe Dana White's a personality. Who knows? But I think I think World MMA Awards would benefit from that. Anyhow, all right. Thanks for tuning in, folks, to the MMA Junkie Radio Show. We'll see you all on Thursday. And until then, go out and be a champion.